0: So this morning I want to talk to you, uh, Psalm 16, actually, oh, wow. it's come up a couple times. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, it's, uh, the reason I wanted to do Psalm 16 is, well, for one thing here, you know, the Bible declares that that David was a man after God's heart, and, and because he would do all of God's will, that's what it describing, and, and, and so that's an intriguing statement, right, and, I've always thought, a man after God, what does that look like? And we can look at David's life and many, the many stories give us, you know, give us a view of what it looks like to be after God's heart. The way he was, he was such a worshiper, uh, you know, he was a songwriter, many of us can't do that. But we can really learn from and glean from his life of, of what it looks like to be a person really after God's heart. And, but I found that uh, his psalms really reveal a lot of what went on inside of David's heart. I think we've said this many times. There, every emotion known to man is found in the psalms, and David uh, wrote half of them. So uh, that's pretty pretty significant. And so a lot of them reveal things. You know, Psalm twenty-three, for example. It just it, I mean, that's the classic all-time psalm, right? I mean, ever people who don't even know the Lord know that psalm, which is which I think is awesome. Yeah, you because know, it speaks of the Lord being our shepherd. But for me, I think Psalm 16 is probably my absolute favorite psalm for some for some real reasons. Not, uh, I mean, it really has a has had a major impact on my life, um, without me realizing how much of an impact it's had on my life. And but when I uh, recently, a young man, which I thought was great, this young guy who I've known for years and years, hadn't seen him, like we got together with him. And he said, hey, Byron, tell me what the Lord has been doing in your life in the last two or three years. And so normally that might be a hard thing to answer for some, some people. But I knew, I thought, wow, cool, that this guy's on top of his game spiritually, if you're thinking that way. But I knew exactly what, what the Lord has been doing in my life for the last two or three years. And you know, sometimes in your life, your life is going to go—you know—the full circle. That God will bring you back to certain places, like foundational places in your life, and where where uh, you know they're they're like crossroad moments. They're moments where your life, uh, in, in the future of your life, the direction of life is being determined. And 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 that was a time in my life where God. This is almost 40 years ago when God first began to reveal himself to me out of Psalm 16. And it was like a major time in my life, a major time of brokenness, you know, uh, where I made some major decisions that have uh, completely, you know, I wouldn't be standing here today without what happened to me and how God spoke to me through this psalm. So I wanted to share a little bit out of it. So it's called, it's titled, A Mictum of David. I thought, well, what the heck is a mictum? (laughs) Actually, there are six of those psalms, I think five or six of those psalms. Let me read here a commentary that Brian Simmons had on what this means. Uh, He says, there are many translations for mictum. Here are the major ones, golden, graven, a permanent writing, precious, hidden, or jewel. Uh, the Greek Bible, uh, the Greek Old Testament renders this a sculptured writing of gold. A sculptured That's writing amazing. of gold. That's powerful, isn't it? Other translations call it a, a golden poem. Perhaps the most accepted translation of it is engraved in gold. Engraved in gold. Uh, and this speaks of the divine nature being engraved in, the, in, the, in our hearts by the word of the Lord. And so I believe that David was like a, obviously a forerunner of what a New Testament believer would look like. And that God would do things in our lives uh, that would actually be engraved into us. It was, it was like golden time, a golden time in your life. And each one of these Psalms uh, that, are, 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 that David wrote that are termed victims are all, they have one thing in com- common it's David's confidence. In times of trouble, wow. David's is really confident. Good. So, so in, from from what yeah. what we're seeing here is 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 revealing that God has done something in us that's golden, that's precious, that's a jewel that you are in, in those times that you can carry for the rest of your life. Are you following what I'm saying? And I think. I'm, I think as a, as a nation, we're in a golden moment. I really feel like we're in a golden moment. But here's the thing I learned, and I learned it back then, is we get to determine if, if, if this golden moment is going to put, send us in the right direction. Is it going to be golden to us? Is it going to be precious to us? Are we going to look back 40 years down the road if, if you got 40 more? I probably don't. Okay, if I do, I probably won't remember. (laughs) But are we going to look back and count that moment as something precious and powerful in our life and that we're thankful for it? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Here's some cool things about A couple of cool things about this song. Uh, The first message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, he quoted from this song. Isn't that powerful? Here's something that makes it even more powerful. Paul the Apostle was sent out from Antioch in Acts 13 on the first missionary journey. His very first message he preached, he quoted from this psalm. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. So we realize there's something. I never knew all this back, back in the day when it was profoundly impacting me. That it's a profound, profoundly impacting psalm for the body of Christ, for anybody who can receive it. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Are you? So I'm going to read through a few of the, I'm going to read through it here and and make a few comments, okay, and then hopefully be able to bring you into something here. And I'm going to use the Passion Translation for most of it, okay? I don't like the Passion, the way the Passion Translation ends it. It kind of stole my, it stole the juice off it for me. So I thought, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not doing that. So you don't mind if I mix translations, do you? It's all good, but I love some of this stuff. It's, uh, the first verse is "Keep me safe, Almighty God. I run for you. I run for dear life to you, my safe place. Don't you love that? My safe place. That became a, kind of a common Everybody's got to have their safe space their safe place. Well, here's David saying, "I run to you. You're my only safe place." And I think we were in a common our nation what we thought was safe, what we thought was secure, what we thought was going to continue all of a sudden becomes questionable. Amen? We don't know that everything's going to be safe for us for now on. There's no guarantee of that. And I think that's a gift from God if we'll let it be a gift for God. Because like David, it's the day we come and the things that we've depended on, the things we've trusted in, the things we've believed in and was always going to be there. For if we realize they may not be, what are our options? And for David, his option was God. And he said, "I I run. When a trouble comes my way, I run for dear life to you. And I'm not going to depend on everything else that I thought was dependable. Okay? We're in that point where everything that we thought was dependable is not so dependable anymore. And we have to really become that, have that heart like David, where God becomes our security, where God becomes our safe place. And that's a lifetime of learning that, y'all. It's It's a lifetime of learning It's a lifetime of, let me say this, of being disappointed, of being let down. Okay, let's just bring it down on a more personal level. People let you down, or you lose your job, or you lose your future. Something happens, you lose your health. You lose, you know, you're going to, we're going to experience things. Our dreams don't necessarily work out the way we thought. And so in those moments, there's a we had to determine where are we going to go in those moments. What are we going to do in those moments? And I think that's always going to be a test for us. When, thing, when God didn't do what we thought he should do. Y'all got awful quiet on me. But David, this is what David did. When life began to go against him, is he ran to God, that was the first place he went. To God because he knew that was the only safe place to were and that's really what God wants to put in his people that where we're looking to God listen it's a, it's a shame I'm just going to tell you it's a shame on us for us to put so much stock in a political party I'm against that I'm against it I do not put any stock in a political party anymore I don't trust any of them I think we gotta I think God's offering us something better and I think that is him. Because yes, he wants us to find our security in him. Right. And when we do that, then we can figure out how to sort through the rest of this mess. But if we're not putting our security in the Lord, then we've missed something. We've gone we've gone off. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Amen.
0: The next thing it says, so so I said to the Lord God, You you are my maker, my, my mediator and my master. Any good thing you find in me has come from you. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? That. You are mine. Mm-hmm. Okay, here, here's the thing. Have you owned God? That, that's the question. Have you owned God? Is God yours? Yep. Is he exactly. really yours? Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important for us to really understand that. Is, it, or is he somebody else's God that you are just sort of hitched on to? You're sort of hitched on to somebody else's revelation. You're sort of hit, hitched on to somebody else's spirituality. that You don't really have your own with God. And, and, and the reason I'm saying that, that's where I found myself back in those days. I found myself that my whole spiritual life was built around what other, how other people knew God. And other people's understanding of God. That's
1: really good. That's
0: good. Because I didn't, I didn't ever I wasn't taking the effort and the time for my own knowing of God. Mm.
1: That's good.
0: That's really yes. good. And that's why David said, You're my God. David had this relationship with God, a very personal, intimate relationship mm-hmm. with God. Where God David got to know God the way God revealed Himself to him. It's really important, and he goes on and says, and he says, "You're good, and everything good in me, everything that I have that's good has come from you." And and see, that's the ultimate question in life. I believe one of the ultimate question is, "God good?" Because if He's not good to you, then you'll never love God, and you'll never want to get close to Him. If you don't believe He's good, see me. The way we see God, I've said this thousands of times, and and the reason I say it over and over because it's the most one of the most powerful revelations of my life, my, my perspective of God, who God is. The way we see God, the way we view God, affects everything in our life. Right. And it affects the way you, it, when you look in the mirror, it affects that person you're looking at, the way you see that person. Yeah. And it affects the way you see that, the person you lay in bed with if you're married. <laughs> You're not married, you shouldn't be doing that anyway. <laughs> Sleep by yourself, get a stuffed animal. <laughs> yeah, and if you are doing that, it's because your view of God is not healthy. And that's why people fall into error in their life. Is because they're. And I really want to encourage us to really ask God, we, we need a revelation of God, who God really is. And I just don't really. Want to have this argument about Is God good because he is good yes. And I don't really care what people say About God in the Old Testament Why I did this, why I did it when, when Christ came, Christ said If you've seen me, you've seen the Father Look at me That's how God is He settled the issue And we need to begin to see God in the face of Jesus Christ And I, you know That's pretty easy there and David, because he was an Old Testament, living in an Old Testament world that had a, an Old Testament God operating, still saw God as good. Yeah. He saw through all this. He was really a prototype guy, really, really lost. Then the verse 3, it says, And he said to me, My holy lovers are wonderful, my majestic ones, my glorious ones, fulfilling all my desires. Uh, let me uh, tell you how the, the New King James says that same verse. Because it really kind of, brought, that kind of just seemed, when I read that, I thought, wow, I need to meet these people, these holy lovers that are wonderful and majestic and glorious, fulfilling all God's desires. I want to know somebody like that. I want to be one of those people, Lord. It just is so lofty sounding, but this is how the New King James says it. As for the saints who are in the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. And that good. And that, I love that verse. And so what David's talking about is talking about his choice of friends, his choice of people he has chosen to be connected with. And this is what I'm going to tell y'all, and I don't think some of you are really going to get this. It's taken me a lifetime to get it. But God brings people into our life. He brings the people that he wants in our life, not the people we want necessarily. You hear what I'm telling you? And see, there's been a lot of people that God has brought into my life that I wish he would have not brought into my life. And here's the reason, because those people, in a sense, tortured me. Those people hurt me. Those people wounded me over and over and over. And I wanted nothing to do, it. and I prayed for the day that somehow I, that I could get away from those people because I seemed to couldn't escape them. But you know what I discovered? I discovered God sent those people to serve me. I discovered that God sent those people to bring out the real me because that it drove me to God. It drove me to him. Sure, there's toxic relationships that God didn't put in your life, okay? And you and, and you have to learn how to get, get away from those relationships. But there's some relationships that we want to get away from that God absolutely says, they're here to love you. They're here to serve you. Let me tell you, I... I think I may have told this story before. I love this story. There's this guy, Graham Cook, many of y'all know, a prophetic guy. He tells this story about these two guys that used to come to his his, his uh, meetings, and they would antagonize him. They would stand out in front when people were come in with signs talking how bad of a, her- a heretic that Graham was. He's a heretic. He's not right, you know. And and then they'd go sit on the, and, and, you know, he would be preaching. They would be out there saying, De and, and disrupted everything and then and so he was just like plagued by these people and was trying to figure out how to get rid of them this is a true story and so what happened to him is he had this dream one night and this dreaming went to heaven and God said hey Graham I've got to show you this statue and it was a statue of him and it was beautiful and it was amazing he was so blessed by this statue and he and the lord said would you like to meet the sculptor and he did it, and it was those two men. It was those two antagonist men. Isn't that amazing? And you know what he did? He had reserved seats from now on in his services. He reserved seats for them to separate because he saw something. That even though those people, you may have a boss, maybe sometimes it's your spouse. You know, I'm sure I've been a good sculptor for Becky. <laughs> you know? David's a good friend. You know? But that's what David's talking about. He's talking about that God's put people in my life. And sometimes it's not pleasant. Sometimes it's, it's challenging. Sometimes it's difficult. But what I've learned in my life about the people is I'm a wealthy man because of the people that God's brought into my life. Because they've brought something to me. They've given me something. And I feel like that's something we all need to learn and begin to value those people. And I'm not talking about just the, the sculptors, <laughs> Because you need some nice people too, right? <laughs> people that's going to love on you <laughs> and be gentle with you. Yep. But that's such an important thing for all of us. is about our friends and about the people around us. It's just, I mean, you know, at this point in my life, you know, when you're young, your friends are everything to you. But now, as as an older person, I'm not old, but older. <laughs> I realize I see friendship in a different way. I see the people that God's brought in my life in a different way. And I'm really thankful. I'm thankful for the people that God's brought in my life. I really am. And, and so I believe if God wants and that's what Jack uh, uh, David was saying there that, about his chosen friends, that God had put people in his life. Uh, then in verse four, it says, yet there are those who yield, uh, who yield to their weaknesses, uh, weakness, that probably everybody in this room, right? Yeah. Uh, just for a minute, we will yield, and they will have because, because it's, and they will have troubles and sorrows unending. Troubles and now, they, he's talking about people who yield to their their weaknesses, and not just yield for a moment, but give themselves over to something, give themselves over to something besides God. And he is declaring they're going to have troubles and sorrows. Unending, yeah. and he says, "I never gather with such ones, nor give them honor in any way." So, what he's doing, he's contrasting loyalties of who he was loyal to, and he's also talking about influences. It's what influences you, who influences you. He could be he could be alluding to peer pressure. You know, as older people, we don't necessarily think about peer pressure like we did when we were teenagers, but I'll tell you this, there's peer pressure constantly around us. There's a pressure to conform. There's a pressure to think the same. There's a pressure to do the same, to be like everybody else, to be like the group we're in and to be acceptable in that group and all of that, and that's really not what we need to be doing. We don't need to conform to any of that. We need to be conformed to the image of Christ. You know, and not going with the flow. And it doesn't matter what the flow is. You know, we don't need to give in to political pressure or being politically correct. We don't need to give in to that stuff. We don't need to be that way. We don't need to give in to trying to be popular or be accepted. We don't need to do that. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about... The, being disloyal to those things and not honoring that kind of thing, but allowing God to be the one who influences us and allowing God to be the one who forms us and forms his thoughts in us and his perspectives in us. Yes. Are y'all with me? Yes. This is important. And as, as older you get in life, you'll see this more and more and more. You will see how if you go with the crowd... You are you're gonna go off the mark. You're gonna miss your destiny, you're gonna miss your purpose in life. You need to pray to God that He'd give you good friends that would influence you, even if it hurts when they influence you. When they call out, call you out and challenge you, challenge you to be who you really are and be what God's really called you to be. These are things that David learned in life, and these are things that we all must learn. And I think these are things that we're learning as we go. You know, popular culture has a real pull on a lot of believers. Yeah. Right. A real yes. pull. I mean, y'all, even the world yeah. is questioning the, the celebrity, whatever they call it, Christian culture. Mm-hmm. The world is questioning that now because there's been some people who are very popular in, you know, what do they call them? Celebrity pastors or whatever they call them. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. There's been of one very famous one that fell recently. Yeah. And the world is looking at that saying, "What? what's the deal with this celebrity thing in Christianity? They're questioning that. Yeah. The church should have been questioned it years ago. That's right. We've done that to ourselves. We've yeah. allowed a, a celebrity co- culture to grow in the church. Yeah. And it's really not the heart of the Lord. Yeah. It's, it's dishonoring to yeah. the Lord. And it doesn't end well for people. And I think, you know, when we see somebody fall, it's not like we're gonna we're criticizing them or judging them. It's we you know our hearts are like, Lord, help, help your family, restore them, but get them out of this deception. Y'all are just really looking down on me now. <laughs> Listen to this in verse five. Lord, I have chosen you alone as my inheritance. Wow. You are my prize, my pleasure, and my portion. I leave my destiny and its timing in your hands. Isn't that powerful? Yes. I leave my destiny yes. and its timing. That's hard. Like I said, I talked to you a little bit last week about how David was, was patient, but he wasn't passive. Right. Because he did leave the timing of God's fulfillment in God's hands. Your pleasant path leads me to pleasant places. I'm overwhelmed by the privileges that come of following you, for you have given me the best. You know, to me, pleasant paths speak of our moment, the present that we're in. And God gives us pleasant paths to walk on. And if we'll walk on those paths, it's our now. That God is in the now with us. If we'll walk with him on the now, he'll give us our our pleasant places. It'll lead us to pleasant places. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that's what happened to me almost 40 years ago. I made the decision. Now, I'm talking about salvation. I've already been a Christian for a while, but I was not a good Christian. I was a bad Christian. I was a carnal, self-centered Christian. And, you know, I wasn't really... God was not... God was not my Lord the way He should have been my Lord. And I didn't love God the like, the love that I know the love of God to be now. I didn't understand all that then. But I've made a decision at that moment when God enc- I encountered God that led me to pleasant places in my life. And I can tell you that over and over yeah. and over. It's not that there weren't difficulties along the way. But when we make those decisions, right. those and it's what I call they're like foundational decisions in our life. if you have a connection with God, you have a connection with the future. That's good. Good. That's, good. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You really do. But if you don't have that connection, your future is going to be uncertain. Your future could be determined by other people. But if you have a connection, a real connection with Him, He will, he, he will get you to the future that He wants you to have. Y'all, everybody okay? Y'all have yeah, quiet it. this morning. y'all eat too much turkey and you're going to sleep. <laughs> Verse 7, it says, The way you counsel and correct me makes me praise you more. For you whisper, for your whispers in the night give me wisdom. Show me what to do. as whispers in the night. How many people in here have dreams? How many people feel like God counseled them in the night? Yeah. many people, you know, I think we all know... You, you have a problem and you've heard, let me sleep on it. Have you ever heard that before? It's because when you go to bed and you go to sleep, your, your conscious mind is more quiet because you're sleeping. And it gives your subconscious a chance to, to deal without all the anxiety and without all the issues. And you see, that's what many dreams are is God helping you work through things in your life. Okay, that's what a lot of dreams are. You're, process, you're processing things in life where, when, that'll give you clear understanding, give you wisdom on what to do. And I think you know, dreams are highly underrated in the church since the Bible's full of people having dreams and God giving input. And, and for years, I had dreams about people. I used to say this, kind of smirky. Okay? I would have a dream. I have this 100% accurate record on dreams about other people. Every dream I had about somebody in our church was always 100% right. I would have a dream and I would say, hey, this is what I feel like the Lord's telling me about you. And it would always happen. I even had people, no way, Byron, that is not God. And then a few weeks later, uh-huh. Byron, I was wrong and lost God. Well, I told you so. Because <laughs> God gave me these dreams. You know, God, my dream life has shifted now, it's, it's, it's different now. I don't have as many dreams about people anymore, but I have a, more and more, I'm a, I ain't going to say a lot, but I'm having more and more dreams about events, about situations, about what's going on. I'm even having dreams about what's going on in places where God, I had this dream, I'll just tell you this, I had this dream about a certain state in our country. A, uh, it's a southern state, and this is what the Lord told me in the dream. He said, there is a Jezebel spirit Trying to control that state. Wow. Now, why did the Lord tell me that? He told me that to pray. Yeah. Because if you go, if you know what's going if you knew what was going on in that state, the inner workings of that state, you would like, oh gosh, you could pinpoint the person. And I hate using that term, Jezebel spirit, but you see, that's the kind of thing that God wants to do for us. He wants to give us information so we can use that information. Right. And he's given me a lot of information about me and my life through dreams. If you just begin to pay attention to your dreams and begin to ask God to speak speak to you in dreams, he'll, he'll begin to speak. But here's what you've got to do. You've got to respond to him. You know, when he gives you a dream about yourself, about some situation, you can at least pray about it. Sometimes you need to act. And, and, you know, everybody in the world is having dreams. because It's normal. You know, you can read later. Let me just, I'll quote it to you. Uh, it's out of Job. It says, For God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. In a dream, in vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering on their bed, then he opens the ears of men. That's what the Bible says. He opens our ears at that time for us to hear something from God. If you're interested in hearing God, give God a chance and and don't be so dogged religious and foolish about dreams. It's a gift from God that He's given us. And He wants us to use that gift as a way He speaks. That's why some of the most important things that have happened in the Bible came through a dream that someone had. Imagine if Joseph would not have received what happened in a dream and right. said, no, I am not marrying this woman. Right. It was a stupid dream. It was pizza dream. Well, who who thinks there, I'm going to marry this girl who's pregnant? Imagine if you had done that. Right. One of the most important events that ever happened on earth was a woman became pregnant by the Holy Spirit, supposed to marry a man, and he was going, no, I'm not doing this, I'm out. Right. Goodbye, you've been unfaithful. And in a dream, God spoke to him wow. right. and told him, what to do. In another dream God spoke to him and said get that baby boy that y'all have and get him out of here. A dream. dream. I want to encourage you about dreams. David was a dreamer. David dreamed dreams. He saw things. Solomon I'll just tell you. Solomon the wisest man how did he get his wisdom? God visited Solomon in a dream. It says it in a dream and spoke to him, ask what you want, Solomon. That came in a dream. He got wisdom in a dream. It says right here that God gives wisdom. David said, God gives wisdom. Where do you think Solomon got this idea about wisdom? Got it from his daddy. He got it from that verse I just read to you. Let God give you dreams, the dreams he wants you to have. And he will begin to teach you the dreams that are From him, or the dreams are from pizza.
1: Well, I call them processing
0: dreams. Processing dreams. Well, I said those are training dreams. That's what I call the pizza. I'm just being trained here to be able to discern the voice of the Lord. Amen. Okay, let me get on here. I'm trying to get y'all going here. Y'all seem to be hard to deal with. Okay, in verse eight it says, "I have set the Lord always before me." I'm shifting to King James version right here. I have sent the Lord always. Know who? Know what he did. Know what he said. I have set right. I have set. Yeah. I have set. I have made a decision. I have made a choice. David was not living in some kind of open vision thing here where he always was seeing the Lord. No, David made a choice. David made a decision. says, I have. Have said, I have decided to see the Lord. I have decided to see God in my life. That's what I'm doing. I have put God before me. God is number one in my life. I'm going to see God. I'm going to see life through the lens of seeing God. That's what he was saying there. Because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. I shall not be moved. He's declaring something. He's declaring that God is right next to him. He's declaring what Jesus said, and what the Bible teaches that God will never leave us alone. He will never forsake us. See, David knew all this, and you're going to go through life. And there's going to be times where you're going to feel like God has forsaken you, and you're going to wonder where God is and what is God doing. And you're not necessarily going to know, but you can do what David says: is I will not be shaken because God is right here beside me. Yeah. And when you get shook, you have to realize. Hey, I forgot something. I forgot the most important thing. I'm not going to be shaken because I'm right here beside God. No matter what happens to me, Amen. Not get mad. He didn't say he didn't get mad. You can get mad about stuff or irritated. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. When Peter, uh, when Peter, uh, quote this version. You know what he used for the word glory? Tongue. He didn't say, my glory rejoices. He says, my tongue rejoices. My tongue. Ain't that interesting? That he has a, there's a connection between your glory and your tongue. You hear what I'm telling you? There's a connection. Go read the New Testament when Peter Acts chapter 2. where he. Put, there's a connection between your glory and your tongue. The amount of glory you're going to experience is directly dependent on your tongue, what you're doing. Wow. It's good, man. You know, he's saying some stuff. My flesh will also will rest in hope. And this is, this is where they were quoting about Jesus. This is prophetic, but it was also about David because he was, in this psalm, somebody was trying to kill him. It doesn't tell us what the situation was, but his life was threatened. This wasn't just a bad day at work, you know, or a, tr- or a bad moment. This, his very life, he didn't know if he was going to live or not when he wrote this psalm because somebody was trying to destroy him and kill him. And he said, for you will not leave my my soul in shield, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. He just knew that. He knew that God was not going to let him be killed. You know, um, years ago we sang this worship song, which I think is amazing. I've been walking around the house singing it all week. It, it's uh, Be Magnified. Y'all remember? Be magnified, O oh Lord. One of the lines in it is, I have made you too small in my eyes. O oh Lord, be magnified. You know? And so... Magnify means to be, to make bigger. So the truth is, is, is we can make God or big bigger or smaller right. in our perspective. In, 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 but, but honestly, God is God. He's not bigger or smaller, but we can make him bigger or smaller ourselves in the way we look at life, the way we look at what's happening around us. Be magnified, oh Lord. I've made you too small in my eyes. And I think that's part of our problem, isn't it? We've made God too little. Yeah. We, we got big problems, but a little God. Right. We need to say, we got a big God and little problems. Right. We have a big God. Right. We have a really big God. We need to declare that he's a big God. We need to magnify the Lord, right. make him bigger, and start acting like God's bigger yeah. and that God's greater than what's going on in our in our puny lives. Yeah. It made all the difference in David's life for him to do that. All the difference. And so the tragic truth that we've discovered about ourselves is that everything else is bigger than God. Politics is now bigger than God. The pandemic is now bigger than God. The future of the United States is now bigger than God. We've made all that stuff bigger than God, y'all. We really have. Yeah. We've made the news. We've made the media bigger than God. Right. It's like one preacher said, if we spent half the time meditating on the Lord as we yeah. do meditating on the right. news, we would be the most powerful Christians right. ever. Because yeah. we're ate up with information being thrown us and we sit there, I don't want to get on all that, y'all. <laughs> but I will tell you this, I made a decision a couple weeks ago, total blackout. And man, that's really helped me a lot. I get a little bit of information from other people that tell me what's going on, just enough. Just a little bit of information. Because yeah, go. exactly. I got people around me that are in it, and I'm thinking they should be. I mean, But for me, it's a blackout. And I'm much more at peace. I'm happier. I'm still praying a bunch. And God's speaking to me through dream stuff he wants me to pray for with our country. So, yeah, come on, Shane. Shane's with me on this. Thank you, Shane. All right, I'm going to end on this one verse. But this is the most important verse, uh, verse 11 for me. Uh, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. Yes. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I do think this is important that it says you will show me the path of life. You will. That's a declaration. You will show me that. God will do that. God takes responsibility for that. It's a gift from God. Okay? This was like David's one thing. Okay, I think this verse. Remember Psalm twenty-seven, verse four. David said, "One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and require in His temple." Psalm twenty-seven, verse four. So let me just tell you this little story here. Okay, this happened. You know, we had these two baby girls, Becky and I, just two beautiful baby girls and one of them was named Rebecca Grace, and the other one was Hannah Joy. Okay? This is where I got this psalm from. And we didn't get to keep Hannah Joy. Hannah Joy is in heaven with the Lord. She's been with the Lord for a long time now. Um, But we have a friend. Many of you know this friend, Donna Culler. And she gave us this, this prophecy, prophetic word. And this is what the prophetic word was. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace, and I can tell you this, grace, my daughter, has been more than sufficient as a daughter. More than sufficient. You see, that's a play on words. It was prophetic. My grace is sufficient. What God has given you will make up for what you've lost. He'll make up for what you've lost. And she has made up for it a thousand times more. She was an amazing child, amazing daughter. She's an amazing mother, amazing wife to her husband. She's still my amazing daughter. That prophecy has lived on in my life. In your presence is fullness of joy. That helped me to let go of him, joy. Oh, wow. It, it replant, helped Yeah. Replant. There were twins. It helped me to let give her to God and not be bitter about it. That's a good word. You know the Bible tells us the, prophecy, the gift of prophecy is to encourage, to ex- exhort, and comfort. Yeah. And that that prophetic word comforted me, Becky, a bunch, and and it really encouraged us about the Lord. But it also exhorted, exhorted me majorly. Okay, because that was the thing that God used in my life to confront me about who I was and where my life was going. Because God wasn't my one thing. God wasn't my one thing. Here's the thing. Listen to me. Remember at the first I read a little thing about this is a, a psalm of gold, a golden poem. Gold, gold, let me say this. Gold is not laying around you can't walk out in the parking lot and find gold laying around in the grass. Right? Right. You gotta dig for gold. You gotta you gotta look for, you gotta pan for. People spend their life digging around trying to find gold. And see, God just doesn't spread gold around. You hear what I'm saying? If you really want something, if you really want this thing that David carried in your presence is fullness of joy. God, you're my greatest joy. We sang it this morning. The presence of God is the most important thing. There is. That's what he was saying. This is my most important thing. This is my highest goal in life, is to experience and know God. I came out of that time very, very broken as a person. I mean, broken. Broken to pieces. That's what I fell on the inside. I felt broken to pieces. I felt destroyed on the inside. Because and it wasn't just because we lost this baby, but here, here's what it was: I I realized something. I realized that God was not that important to me. That God was really secondary to me. That that's what I realized: God's secondary. He was not the most. His presence was not the most important thing in my life. Knowing him was not the most important thing in my life. Having experiences with him him was not the most important thing in my life. Other things were. And it was really clear to me. And so I had to make a decision. It was was like, make this decision. What do you want with your life? And that was a decision that I said, that's what I want, Lord. I want you. I want your process. I want this thing that David's talking about that I don't really understand to this day is, is a desire to the Lord. I want to seek the Lord. I want to dwell with the Lord. I want to be with the Lord. I want to live with God. I want God to be my portion. I want God to be my everything. I want to know God. I don't, it's not good enough for me just to know God through other people. I want my own knowing. I, I don't want to hear, just hear their, their experiences. I want my own experience with God. That's the goal. That's, but that doesn't, that doesn't just happen, y'all. None of those things just randomly. Occasionally you'll have an experience with God. But if you really want a life of it, if you really want this from God, you've got to be like David. You've got to have this thing in you, that you just determine that. You determine this is my priority in life. This is my goal in life. And see, I think that's where the church in America is. Is we were, we, what I said, we sometimes we get back to this foundational moment. The foundational moment is God good? Is God faithful? Is God worthy of, of our worship? Is God worthy to give myself 100% to Him? Is He? You ask yourself that question because I can't answer it for you. I had to answer it for myself back then. You know, is He? Is God worthy? Is he worthy for me to give myself to him? Totally, 100%. That has nothing to do with being in ministry, by the way. Zero. That's right. That's
1: right.
0: It has to do with you and your life, wherever you are.
1: Right. Oh,
0: yeah. And so, you know, I made that decision. And, well, I haven't done it very well. <laughs> you know. I've realized recently like, Lord, I don't know you, Lord. I feel like I don't know you. There's times when you feel so far away. And I don't know what to do, Lord, because I don't know what's gonna happen in the future, Lord. I don't know what's gonna happen with my life. I don't know what's gonna happen with this church. I don't know what's gonna happen with our country. I don't know. It's all I don't know. Cause you know why I don't know? Because God never has not told me one word about it. But you know what? In that day, back then, I didn't I wasn't thinking about the country, I was too dumb to. <laughs> I was thinking about me, but I did have a wife and I had two children and I had no clue what my future looked about like back then. All I knew is God would show me the path of life. I just knew that because that's right. what I I just knew if I make his decision, if I will choose God, then he will show me the path to walk on. Right. And I'm telling you, he's shown me over and over and over in my life. God has done exactly what you will show me the path to walk on. And I've had so, so many beautiful experiences with the Lord over the years. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I still don't know the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Because God is just so big, his ways are past finding out what Paul said. I'm yeah. not saying we're going to ever conquer God and understand God and figure God out and all that. I'm not, and That's not even on my mind. I can't even figure Becky out. <laughs> I quit years ago. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing, too. I'm going to end, but um, that I think is important is I don't feel like I really started out well. I felt like I had a lot of bad motives. You know what I'm saying? The rest of the motives were about me. You know? About, about who I am. About the gold is God. I'm not the gold. God's the gold. God is what's precious. You hear me? Over in life, I just realized that you know I don't really know how to say it but I feel like a lot of times what we want and what we desire is really more for us than for for what God wants and I think God wants us to have stuff I'm not suggesting that I think he wants to prosper us and make us successful and, and you know make our life great but I just think down at the heart of the thing is, you know, David said, I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. And he realized he wasn't the beauty of the Lord. And he realized that God was what made him special. And God was what made his life rich. Not anything else. And I don't know that I got... I'm, I'm not saying I'm perfect in that. And I don't know but I do know I'm not as bad as I used to be. I can tell you that I was really bad for a while, a long time. But over the years, God has worked in my heart about motives. You know? Does this make sense, John? About why I do things and what I'm looking for. You know? Am I looking for people to just appreciate me and value me? Is that what my life is about and making everybody happy and, it's not. It's really not. You know, I've had this strange thing in the past few weeks where I felt like that, I felt like in a long ways I did back 40, 30, almost 40 years ago when I was making this choice that God brought me back to that place. And I thought, oh, Lord, where have I been, you know? I've let everything in my life, I've let all this stuff into my life. And I've, I feel like I've drifted away from the thing that was most important. Are y'all hearing what I'm telling you? Is yes. I let all these other things occupy myself yeah. to the degree that I forgot this very thing. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures. God is the one who makes everything beautiful. And I felt like I got away from that somehow. Not fully, but there was a part of me that yearns for that. And there's a part of me that never stopped yearning. And it's like God just uncovered it in me again. That that's the thing that we've got to have. We can come out of this time The pandemic time, the election time, the whatever's going to happen to us time. We can come out of it really broken. We really can. Or you can come out of your time now, because some of you are going through sometimes, you're going through a shift in your life. Let me pull it down to where you are. All of a sudden, what you thought was your future, you're questioning. Or you may realize, my future's done. I'm retiring, or I'm getting a new job or I don't even have a job. And suddenly you're wondering about what your life's going to look like. Not to mention the craziness that's going to affect our lives. And so we can come out of this broken. We can be absolutely broken before the world, but we don't have to come out better, And we don't have to come out critical. You know, and we don't have to come out you know, divisive. You know, we don't have to do that. We can come out of it saying, I want to behold the Lord. God is what's important to me. That's what I want for my life. And that's what I want for my children and my grandchildren. I want them to have that. I want them to have that hunger for God, to know God, to experience God. I don't think I'm saying this very well. You know? Because it feels a lot deeper in me than, than I'm able to really say it. You know, so I want you to stand up. I'll stop. And I want to tell you something that I think, you know, this thing that David said up there about the excellent ones, because so I see this church is full of people like that. Yeah. I really do. My holy lovers are wonderful. My majestic ones, my glorious ones, fulfilling all my desires. Isn't that a beautiful way to see yourself? And of course, if you're going to be like me, you're going to say, I have not fulfilled your desires, Lord. But you see, God sees you that way. And see, if you can begin to see God as loving and good, that will change the way you see yourself. And even though you may not be doing all these things, you may not be living up to what you see David lift. You may not be able to live up to that today. I don't think I am. I'm not, But I'll tell you this. It'll put a desire in you. It'll put a hunger in you. And you can begin to walk that out. And God will be with you. And He'll walk it out with you. He'll help you become like the excellent ones. He'll help you. He will do it. He will give you the grace to do it. He'll give you a passion for His presence. He'll give you a passion, not to settle for less. He'll give you a pa- he'll give you a passion for that. He'll give you the desire to be everything that He created you to be. But let Him work it out. God will do that. He will show you the powers of life. I can say that today, a hundred percent, that God will do that for you. All you had to do is to say, "I'm willing, Lord, help." <laughs> That's me. Help, Lord. Mm. So, Father, I want to ask you today for impartation. Yes. My grace is sufficient for you. Yes. Lord, I pray you'd impart that to everybody in this room. That they find a sufficiency in the grace of God today. That they would see how powerful grace is. That grace is a mighty influence upon our hearts. Yes. And I just ask you for that grace to begin to influence our heart again. More than the news, Lord, and more than the elections and more than the pandemic, that grace would begin to have influence in our life again. Lord, we're saying grace, have influence on me. Influence my heart, grace. Influence me. Influence me, grace. That's the influence. And in your presence, Lord, is fullness of joy. Lord, we're asking for the presence of the mighty manifestation of the presence of God. Lord, I ask you for people in this room. They, some of you need, you need the experience of God in your life right now. You need an encounter with the Lord right now. You need God to make Himself real to you right now like you've never had before because what He did yesterday is not going to be sufficient for this hour. Ask the Lord. Say, Lord, I need an encounter. The encounter will make a difference in your life. Tell God, I need an encounter. God, don't let me live on this earth without encountering you. I need to experience you, Lord. I need to experience the Holy Spirit in my life. I need to have that, God. I can't live on another man's experience. I can't live on another person's testimony. i got to have my own testimony, God. I've got to have my own, Lord. I've got to have my own revelation from the word, Lord. Tell the Lord that if you want it. Tell him you want that. Yes. And if you tell him you want that, God will be faithful to give it to you. He'll give it to you. Because I told the Lord, that's what I want. It's not good enough for the pastor to have it, Lord. And I appreciate his revelation. I love his revelation. But that's not going to get me. All that is like priming the pump. It gives me a little bit. But i got to have more. I'm not willing to live the nominal life, Lord. If I'm going to be a follower of Christ, I want to go all the way. I want all in, Lord. All in, Lord. I want to be a carrier of your presence, Lord. I want to affect people with your presence. Lord, I want to heal people with your power. I want them healed. I don't want to pray for people that don't get healed. I am not satisfied with that, y'all. I'm not satisfied with praying and not seeing results. I refuse that. I refuse to live that way. That is not the God of the Bible. We've got to get radical with God. And say, I'm not going to accept that. I'm not going to accept being overcome myself. I'm not going to accept that the sins that only so easily besets me continually besets me. Everybody in this room has has sins that are so easily beset us, right? Everybody. Don't be ashamed to say that. It's true of all of us or it wouldn't be in Hebrews 12. You know? But you know what I found recently? When I felt this thing rising up in me, this grace coming on my heart, drawing me back to this place, I felt the sins that so easily beset me suddenly were not besetting me. Do you hear what I'm saying? Suddenly, I realized, I'm not. That's not worth it. That's, and it was true. It was real. It wasn't just me saying it. It was real. And I had power to take a thought captive and capture that thought and imprison that thought instead of that thought coming into my mind and creating all this havoc inside of me. You hear what I'm saying? That's when, when the grace of God begins to work on your heart. That's what happens. That's how we overcome the sins that so easily beset us. It gives us this power. It gives us this authority over these things. God wants to do some things for us and for you. So I pray that the Lord will bless you, Maya. Yeah, bless Maya. (laughs) She's already blessed. She should have preached. Come on. But I won't. Let me just pray. Because this really is about spiritual DNA, y'all. That's why this is so hard to talk through and make sense. It's about spiritual DNA. Is that God wants to form our spiritual DNA in us? He wants to call it forth what's in you already. It's in you. This all this is in you. It's your DNA. It's your DNA. If Christ is in you, it's your DNA. And, and God is trying to call it out. That's all that's all it's ever been. That's all it's ever been in my life is an invitation in God calling out something in me. I think the Bible uses the word deep calls to deep. It's the voice of God speaking to in what's in you. God wants to speak in there into you. And you need to get the shame off in you. And you need to quit being a victim. She's already said, yesterday is over with. Don't live in the shame of yesterday, in the loss of yesterday, in the brokenness of yesterday, and let that hold you back from the victory and the passion that God has for you today. You can make the decision right now to let go of that, and, let, and that stops being your influencer. Are y'all hearing me? And i look looking around and I look in some victims' faces. But the truth is, it's just a mask. You're not a victim. Get that mask off. Get that thing of shame off in you. The blood's already taken care of it. Get free from that. Get free from your failures. And your mistakes. You are not a mistake. Do you hear me? Let me read one more time. I want to read this one more time. This is, this is what you are. This is how God sees you. My holy lovers, you're wonderful. You're His majestic one. You're His glorious ones. And you're a person who wants to fulfill all of God's desires. That's who you really are. Because Christ is in you. Christ is in you. And that's what He came to the earth for. So, Father, I just pray for this impartation. Lord, this morning, this is an impartation. Lord God, release it. Lord, do something supernatural right now in us, Lord. I'm asking you, Lord, let's just take this moment, y'all, and let's just let God do something supernatural in us. Ask Him, say, Lord, do something supernatural in me. Do something supernatural in me. I invite your grace. I invite your grace to come and begin to influence me like I've not been influenced in a long time, Lord. In a long time, let it influence my heart. Let it have influence. And all these other influences that are really not good, oh, let them go right now in Jesus' name. Let them go. Let them go. Let them go. go. Say, Lord, I want that DNA. Say it. Say, Lord, I want that DNA. I want that DNA, Lord. I want it to come forth, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
1: I've heard Byron, if I could rephrase it, he's inviting you to respond to the Lord. So I just want to invite you to respond to the Lord today. I don't know what that's going to look like for any of you, but respond to the Lord. Don't leave here without responding to the Holy Spirit and to what the Lord wants to do. And I feel like one of the invitations is to return to our first love. Becky preached such a wonderful sermon about that first love in our hearts. And I feel like that is one of the key invitations to respond to the Lord and to return to our first love. So ministry team, if you could come forward, we invite you to come forward. We have prayer for healing. I didn't offer that during our transition time. That's my fault. But if you'd like prayer for healing, if you'd like an encouraging word, if you'd like somebody to agree with you, our ministry team is available. But most of all, respond to the Lord today. And parents, we just want to encourage you to please go get your children. They'll be handing out, like Corey said, free puppies if you wait longer than 10 minutes after the service, or kittens. So uh, we just thank you so much, and we just say be blessed. Have a great day.